He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Well, it was Sunday, November 4th, 15 years ago, when uh, Father Lyle Dorset and his wife, Deacon Mary, um, held the first service of this congregation over on the campus of Samford University at Beeson Divinity School. If you've ever been to Hodges Chapel, you might ask yourself, why did we ever leave? It is gorgeous and just wonderful. If you don't know the story, it's not mine fully to tell, but I'll give you some insight that the Dorsets were together at their home, and I found this out a few months ago, in their pool, relaxing with one another, taking in some sun and praying and talking, and it was at that moment in time that they felt the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, calling them to plant a church. I am no church planter. I'm not tough enough. I can't strategize well enough. That's a hard and difficult job that only a few are called to do. And the Dorsets in love and in sacrifice planted this congregation by the grace of God November 4th in 2007. I was a young seminary student at the time when Jennifer and I first arrived at this church in 2010. And I remember talking with one of the parishioners who was a member who had only been there for about a year. For Jennifer and I got there, the church had only been around for almost three years at the time. And I asked him why he decided to stay. Why did you decide to stay at Christ the King and and finally become a member? And I was expecting, you know, the the, the beautiful liturgy that we have, Holy Communion every Sunday, right? All these wonderful things, uh, the excellent uh, preaching, of course, that Father Lau gave to us for 11 years. But here's what he said. He said the first Sunday that he visited Christ the King Anglican Church at Hodges Chapel, he heard Father Lau preach on Christ the King Sunday. And Lyle said this. He was quoting the words of St. Paul. He said that he wanted to know nothing else Nothing else except for Jesus Christ crucified and that the cross was at the center of Jesus who is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this parishioner said, at that moment, I knew that the cross was central to what was being proclaimed at this church. That member was there for many, many years until moving away actually recently. Let me me tell you that it's a privilege as, as a rector here of this parish to tell you that the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the king of the universe, is the central message of the church. Amen? Amen. The cross of Jesus Christ is the central message of the church. I read for you from Colossians chapter 1. He, being Jesus himself, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, What does that mean, that domain of darkness? It's something we don't, I think, talk about enough as Christians. We're not open, I don't think, enough in our communities and our fellowship groups with one another, our friends, to say, you know what, like, we are sinners who by the grace of God have undergone through baptism that we're going to have, of course, today, and by faith, a great transfer 
a transfer from the domain of darkness, of sin, and of death and destruction into the kingdom of light. Praise God, for, praise God for that is the gospel message to us. Paul goes on to talk about Jesus himself, saying that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the icon of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or all things, all things were created through him and for him. And finally, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, God himself, the second person of the Trinity, pre-existent, not created, that person. Jesus Christ, the King, exchanged a throne of, of man, the throne that was in fact, um, quote-unquote, uh, you know, uh, he was tempted with by the devil in the wilderness. He did not have a throne of gold in the middle of the temple, in the middle of Jerusalem. His throne was what? A cross. His throne was a cross. His crown was not a crown of gold and of platinum. Crowns that you and I would look at and would say, look at the beauty and the wealth and the glory and the victory of all that crown. How beautiful that is. Brothers and sisters, his crown was a crown of briars, of thorns. Finally, there are two ways in the Christian life. We see the two ways, my dear brothers and sisters, as given to us in the Gospel of Luke. There are two ways. The first way is the way of the world, the way of death, the way that looks at our Lord and the salvation that He gives to us freely as something to be mocked. If you are the Son of God, save yourself. Save us. You can't do this. It's what the world looks at us with. We are the least of these as Christians. But there was another thief, another sinner beside our Lord, on the other side of Him, actually who in gratitude and humility cries out to Jesus, cries out to him. He says, if you would, save me. And of course, it's on that day and that very moment that he is with our Lord in paradise. But brothers and sisters, um, I'm convinced that too often when we talk about Jesus as being the king, and that word Christ simply means anointed one, the Messiah, I think we forget that his kingdom is one that brought um, a cross, but through that death and that resurrection, life and salvation. You know, I come to, uh, to this Sunday as your preacher, as your priest, with my own sins, my own faults. We all have them. Let me remind you that it is in the midst of our sinfulness that God has, in fact, for, He has forgiven us. He has given us a promise. Here in a little bit, we're going to have two baptisms of Huck and of Zemira. As Father Daniel baptizes Zemira, as I baptize Huck, and the water is poured over their head, they are grafted into that death of Jesus, as Paul says in Romans 6. And if they're grafted into his death, then they are mysteriously given his life and his resurrection. My dear brothers and sisters, as believers, as followers of Jesus himself, 
We encounter sin and problems all the time. I mean, how many of us wish that our marriages were more holy, more like Christ and His church? How many of us wish that we could give up those sins that nobody knows about, but only, but only you and God know about them? How many times in our life are we struggling, are we down? Do we see how actually sinful that we are? For me, it's quite often. And I'm reminded that actually it's through the cross, through that throne, that Jesus has given us life by his death. Brothers and sisters, as we think on these things, as we think on that great exchange, the, the transference from darkness, a dominion of darkness and of death, to life and light, let us remember that that is not just for that heavenly home that awaits us in the life to come, but it's here and now. For us to live as Jesus, to live as Christ here and now. And I want to say this, that if the way of the cross is for our salvation, and we are to imitate Jesus, the Messiah, the King, whose kingdom is coming, if we are to imitate Him, then that means our life will be marked by sacrifice in love for others. Sacrifice is tough. It hurts. But by it, life is given. Jesus, through the cross, the sacrifice, His life given so that we might live. When I think about the kingdom of God, when I think about both the power and the strength of God's kingdom that came through His Son and is now in the church until the consummation and the end of all things, I think about a man named Kenneth Gillum. This is, this is, the, this is the, the person that, that I envision as living this kingdom out. How many of you all have known someone that, have, that has worked with their hands for most of their life and their hands are calloused and kind of a lot of, a lot of times like kind of bigger because they use their hands a lot? Does anyone kind of, can you picture that? Maybe it's your grandfather or great-grandfather. Yeah, you picture that. Uh, Kenneth was a man in our small country church who had the largest hands I'd ever, ex- ever seen or experienced. And, and it wasn't just me being young. It was my dad who's a pretty big guy saying, no, like this guy's hands were huge. And he was a mechanic. He worked on tractors out in Oklahoma. I'll never forget, there was, a, there was a Sunday, it was during the summer, Kenneth had been coming to church with us for about maybe, oh, a year or so. And there this big man at the age of 77 years old, huge hands, forearms, comes crying and walking down the aisle at the end of the service to meet the pastor who gave Kenneth a big hug we're all, like, I'm like 12 years old and like in tears watching all this happen. Kenneth is in tears because he had been at church for the last year or so, but he was so broken by his sin, broken, that he wanted to come up to the altar to where God was, near the pulpit, to find, to find healing, to find our Lord. And Kenneth, um, from that time on, was a, was a changed man was a changed man. He was sweet. He was humble. But the strength in his hands, it reminded me that like this guy could like obliterate uh, the youth and, the, and probably anybody in the church, but he didn't. He, he in love gave himself for us. He was an icon of Jesus himself, of the kingdom. I want to say very clearly from the, from the pulpit here, we as Christians are accused by the world of being weak, 
of being ones that want to walk in the way of love and of humility, of lowliness, what weakness that is. Brothers and sisters, that is the way to life. That is the way to life through love and sacrifice and lowliness and meekness. Those are the virtues of the kingdom for they point to our Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world in lowliness, in meekness, in love, finally giving up himself for us. In our gospel reading, we have that second thief, that second criminal. Let me read this to you. So one of the criminals who were hanged um, hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And this man said to Jesus, I just imagine this, imagine that, that this is us on this cross looking at our Lord, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Brothers and sisters, through baptism we are grafted into our Lord. By the gift of faith, we are grafted to our Lord. Let us, I heard an amen. I heard a little baby say amen. Praise the Lord for you, little man. Amen. But that the way that we walk in this world ought to be in love and in sacrifice for our neighbors, for our family, in meekness and lowliness. Because it is then that they will see the kingdom of God. It is then that they will turn to our Lord. It is then that they too will be like that thief and they will say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And our Lord will say to them, today you will be with me in paradise. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters, I'm reminded of St. Ambrose, a fourth century church father who said this about the good thief on the cross. He says this, this, this image, this account of that, of that thief, the good thief, is a beautiful example of conversion to which we should all aspire continually. Forgiveness is very quickly offered to the thief, and grace is more abundant than that meager request. For the Lord, in fact, always gives more than is asked for. Life is being with Christ, because where Christ is, there is the kingdom. And brothers and sisters, if you know our Lord, the Holy Spirit is in you, Christ is in you, the kingdom is in you. When we baptize these precious children into those waters, into Jesus himself, the kingdom is here. When we receive that sacrament of Holy Communion, nourishment for our physical bodies and for our souls, the kingdom is present. Let us now, in love and in faith, follow him likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.